we're going to have to tear all these 14 foot walls of concrete down and start all over again. I was sick. Welcome, man, to Like a Man. I'm your host, Miles Nielsen. On today's episode, we're going to talk construction, concrete, lumber, steel. We're going to talk about all of it. I brought in my dad, and he's going to tell us some cool stories and experiences that he had running his construction company. If you're thinking of starting your own, this is going to be the episode for you. Let's listen in. Okay, dad, today we're going to talk about construction. And I brought you on because you had a construction company and you also grew up doing construction. Your dad did construction and I'm probably the first one to deviate from that, but I still enjoy it. So I wanted to talk construction with you today. So for all of our listeners out there, I'm pretty sure most men know a lot about construction, but for all those who maybe aren't too familiar with it, why don't you break down what your company did? as a contracting company, what type of buildings you built? And let's talk about that experience. Well, what we did is we kind of broke off from my dad. Me and my brothers, we all had experience with uh, working with my dad as we grew up. And even the first few years of my marriage, I still worked with my dad. And mostly we did some remodeling. We did do a few homes. The thing is, most of the homes that we built were family. I came from a large family, and we built my sister's homes. We worked on my brother's home. And each one of us brothers, myself, my brother Jeff and Jay, we each built our own home. And before we built our homes, I was in the turkey business. I raised up to 120,000 turkeys a year. And I built my own brand new turkey coops or turkey barns. These ranged in size from 60 by 250 feet to 40 by 200 and some feet. And we had like eight of them, nine of them. Building those gave us a lot of experience, but we also built them for other people. And during the 80s, there was a lot of growth here in our valley in the turkey industry. And we were already experienced. We had a crew together and we had the equipment that it took to do it. So we built a lot of of turkey barns and anywhere from 200 and some feet long to 500 feet long. And we became pretty good at it, became pretty proficient. And when we kind of switched into the residential part of it, like I say, we all built our own homes. And we worked over the years with our dad building homes. So we knew the business and we decided that uh, we needed to probably start being uh, general contractors. So I got my general contracting license here in the state of Utah. And we started contracting homes, contracting some commercial jobs, and also contracting agricultural buildings. And I think if we had a specialty Back then, it would have been the agricultural buildings, the turkey coops, the turkey barns. But then we started more, the construction as far as the turkey industry slowed down, we started doing more residential. 
and we kind of found a niche by doing rural development homes, which were limited to about 1,200 square feet. And these were all smaller homes. We were able to be pretty proficient with them and get them done. And the people there at the rural development law office liked us. And they gave us plenty of opportunities to build those. And that kind of became uh, something that we liked. There was a time back in the 80s when we kind of went into a depression statewide as far as building. And my two brothers went down to Las Vegas and they started installing cabinets. And that's all they did is installing cabinets down there in Las Vegas for a few years. And they became really, really good at it. Anyway, that's kind of where we were We were at. An occasional commercial project. Uh, we did a large office building there locally and, and a few other things that uh, were a lot of fun, actually, that we did. And I, I always enjoyed the construction part of it. When you're a general contractor, you're over the whole project. You're over overseeing the construction. You're overseeing the financial part of it. You're making sure everybody's insured. You're making sure the bills get paid. And the scheduling, the overseeing, it's a lot of work, but it can be rewarding. Uh, if there was a weakness that I had, it would be business paperwork. One of the best things I did was I went and took a QuickBooks class and I was able to do my own payroll and a lot of the other things, uh, keeping track of our bills, some of the accounting, although I did hire an, an accountant because it got to be too much. And if there's anything a young person can do who's thinking about being a general contractor, there's not only all the knowledge and experience that you need, you need to be able to go and get some education as far as payrolls, taxes. You need to educate yourself on codes, tax laws. You need to understand insurance and how it works. And you need to educate yourself in that way if you're going to start. When I was at BYU, I took a construction management class. And it was really funny because the professor came in and was saying, this is going to be the hardest class of your life and you're going to be crying at the end. Well, he ended up not being in the class after two weeks and he didn't show up until the finals. And I won't, I won't go into that, but in that class, like you're saying, there is so much more to it than just building it, throwing up wood and even like the concrete and the foundation and everything like that, which that takes skill in itself, right? And surveying, there's a lot that goes into it. But in that class, we were learning AutoCAD. We were learning all these other things that you're saying with the financials and then the construction part of it, the project management part of it. And it was very interesting because it's not just building, it's financials, it's taxes, codes, all that stuff that you're saying. And then Something that they said in that class was a lot of these service type companies or the subcontractors, they usually don't do well because they just want to do drywall. They want to do electrical work, but they don't want to do the finance or the accounting piece of it. And that's where a lot of them struggle. Oh, yeah. And like I said, I if there was a weakness that I had, 
that would be one of them. And I, I had other weaknesses. I had some hard times, uh, made some mistakes. I'm terribly colorblind, really bad. And there was a time that I picked out a brick. I was in a hurry because we were really busy. We were swamped with work. We had like 30 employees and we had them spread out. And a housewife told me the brick she wanted on a certain house in a nearby town. I went there and I looked at it. And to the best of my ability, I went to the brick company. I looked at the samples and I said, it's this brick. Would you deliver it? They did. Wrong brick. That happened twice. 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 Oh once my. up in Woodland Hills and once right there in Fountain Green. And I had to eat it both times. But I was lucky because the one brick that it was delivered was two blocks, three blocks away from another house that I was building. And the housewife came and looked at that brick. She loved it. And she wanted it. So I was able to take my tractor, my telehandler, I can't remember which it was. And it was just three or four blocks away. And I moved it down to her house and she used the brick. Cool. I did give her a little discount to kind of make it more pleasing for her, you know. Good. Then another house, we even laid up a little bit of it without the mortar to show her what it looked like. Well, lo and behold, she decided she didn't like it. So I had to have all that brick, but luckily my wife and her sister wanted to do some spec combs. And we used that brick on one, two, it was a lot of brick. It was a big home. And these were smaller homes, 1,200 square feet or so. But we were able to use that brick on two homes, fully brick. So that was lucky. It was my mistake, probably my, from my colorblindness. Another time. Cleared out on the desert on the Nevada border, 200 miles away. And we were uh, remodeling a ranch house out there. And we built an addition. And then he wanted the rest of it, a stuccoed part of it, the same as an older part of the house there that was painted, I guess, kind of a cream color. So I even had a chip of wood brought in from the desert. And I made the mistake of myself going up to the stucco company and picking out the color. And so we went out there and my brother Jay supervised the, the stucco crew and we put the stucco on and it was supposed to match the other part of the ranch house that was done in wood siding. And it was supposed to be kind of a, what, a tan cream color. And it turned out to be school bus yellow, just a bright bright yellow what's wrong with that <laughs> it didn't match the other part of the house but an old rancher that owned the ranch drove out there that one day and saw that yellow addition and up there against that mountain and he pulled up and he says you know i like that that brightens this place up so we were able to leave it the son had told me you're gonna have to paint it or redo it that's the way they're on color. I don't like it. But the dad who overruled him, he said, I like it. It brightens the place up. It looks good up against that mountain. A dodged bullet. Yeah. So we were lucky there. What was probably the hardest time with that company, with a project or a customer or whoever, and you were 
just not happy. And then after that, what was the opposite of that when you were just elated and you felt like, I love this? Yeah. On those turkey buildings, we'd put up a lot of trusses for a long building that was, this one was happened to be 50 foot wide. And we'd always bragged that we'd never lost a set of trusses in a windstorm because our dad taught us how to brace them good and everything. Well, we had some salvaged trusses that had been used before and had fell and broke up a little bit. So we fixed them up. We put them up. This was for a shop and went home for lunch, came back, and the trusses were on the ground. A windstorm had came and blew them all down. And that that makes you sick. And another time, I was pouring some 14-foot-tall walls for an irrigation project in a nearby town on the other side of the mountain. And we got up there, and we was trying to get it done before winter set in. And we had the forms all ready to go, 14-foot-tall walls. And a snowstorm came, and we had the cement ordered for the next day. And we looked down in the bottom of the forms, and sure enough, there was some snow down in there. But we figured, hey... If we put hot water in the concrete, it'll melt the snow. So we went ahead and poured it and had the cement come from a town that was like 40 miles away or 50. And they put the hot water in it. But of course, by the time they got there, it wasn't hot anymore. But let it learn you a lesson. It doesn't melt it anyway. Make a long story short, uh, when the cement had set and we pulled the forms off, there was about six inches of ice at the bottom of the 14 foot walls. Really? Pure ice. Pure ice. Right down there at the bottom because it was below zero that night. And even though we put heat on it during the night and everything, <clears throat> we pulled those forms off and it was, like I say, four to six inches of ice. Wow. So uh, it was your brother-in-law's dad that was over the project. I took him up there. I was so sick. I thought we we're going to have to tear all these 14 foot walls of concrete down and start all over again. I was sick. And he came up and I said, here's an idea to resolve this. We looked it over. He agreed. He brought the old uncle up there that was government guy that used to be over projects like this. He agreed. And I was just, oh, so relieved. And it cost me a few thousand bucks extra, but at least I didn't have to tear the whole thing down. Wow. And they were such good guys that when I told them I was just going to have to eat that, they offered to pay like for the concrete because they said, we were pressuring you to get it done. It's partly our fault because we had to have it done before spring and it wasn't your fault that it got below zero. And so that was hard, but yet, I mean, when we melted the ice underneath those 14-foot walls, I had just went and watched that movie Avatar where those rocks are up in the clouds floating. That's kind of what it reminded me of was this 14-foot walls. Floating up in the air. Yeah, that's what it reminded me of. But anyway, it worked out. We didn't uh, panic, and we worked it out with the owners, with the customers. Whenever I've had experiences like that, it's really a big part of general contracting, whether you're a general contractor or a subcontractor. It's really good to communicate. You are very good at 
not telling your kids about these kinds of stories because a lot of these I've never heard about. I guess I was oh. a young teenager when they happened, but yeah. I compliment you on not taking work home because I had no clue <laughs> that a lot of this happened. Yeah, I think that was probably the most stressful. And then I had a couple of other instances where we trusted that the people had their money when we started the project. Turns out they didn't have enough money. I'm going to ask you in that one. I see a lot of these YouTube videos where the person says they didn't have their money and they go and destroy it. Did you ever go destroy it? Oh, definitely not. What would your reaction be? Mm -mm. I, I never did that. I worked with them. I communicated with them. The one time it got really ugly, ended up having to use attorneys. But in the end, it got resolved. We didn't make anything, but we were able to pay the bills. Good. And that was stressful. I remember when I got the word, I was down at the lumber company and I just walked around. It was a hot day. And I just went and sat in the shade on the shady side of the building. And I just didn't know what I was going to do. I thought, how will I ever be able to get rid of this? But I learned, I found out there's a lot of things that a contractor can do in that type of a situation where they can't pay you. And in the end, it worked out. On the opposite, what are some highlights of the business? I think one of the best things is a young guy that you built his house will come up to you. I haven't seen him for a while and tell you how grateful he was that he had us build their house. And just recently they had a birthday party for me a couple of weeks ago. And my son-in-law, I had built his home when he was in another marriage and he had to sell the home and different things. And then he married my daughter, which has been a blessing because he's a great guy. But they were going around, you know, saying all the good things about me. You know, what do you, what's something about grandpa, you know? And a lot of good things were said, but uh, I think the highlight was when he got up and said, when I was going to build my house, this was before, you know, that he was my father-in-law. But he said, when I built my house, I wanted Jim to build it because I knew he would do a good job. And that uh, I could trust him. And that's probably one of the best compliments I've ever had. So things like that, you have, like you say, your your highs and your lows. To, the highs out for us and for me outnumbered the lows, I think. So anyway, I hope there's some families that appreciate it and some families that will grow and enjoy their homes over the years that we built for them. I hope there's turkey growers that'll continue to uh, use their turkey coops and keep raising turkeys and hopefully make some money. So, Dad, for our last minute here to wrap up, I'm going to ask you some questions. How many buildings total do you think you have built? Uh, okay, probably an average of six or eight a year over a 25-year span, probably. Okay. How, how many is that total? So 175 buildings. Yeah, probably about that. That's a lot. If you count, you know, all the remodels and everything, all the turkey coops. And all the projects and the dams and everything. Yeah. My next question, which brand of tools is your favorite? Nail guns, probably Bostitch. 
and saws. I still like skill, but I also lean more towards DeWalt now. Compressors, whatever I can get a good deal on <laughs> at the time, but uh, we had a DeWalt that held up really good. Uh, the Harbor Freight ones, they're okay to go get, but they don't hold up as well as some of the others. You can buy some good tools at Harbor Freight. You can buy, but most of our tools, we just buy it at the local hardware stores. There for a while, we were big on Makita's, and then we kind of switched to DeWalt. And now we've switched to Milwaukee's. Milwaukee? Mm hmm My favorite was DeWalt, and I actually have a DeWalt headset that I wear at work. Oh, yeah. And it's more decoration. I don't take it off because... A, it's I don't want to take it off and on all day, but it's one of those one that I wear around my neck. Mm -hmm. And I kind of wear it with pride because I remember when I was building with you, we'd always use DeWalt. Well, Dad, thanks for this recording. I really liked it. We're going to wrap this up and thanks again. All right. Recording this episode was amazing because I have not heard a lot of those stories and I have even more respect for my dad than I had before. Anyway, thanks again for listening. Please subscribe, tell your friends, and we're going to end this one by hearing a glorious bull elk bugle.